0: You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. I am Matt Topeak, joined with Dave Archer, DJ Shockley. Fellas. You looked at us like we were going to do our own intro there. Fellas, it is uh, it is really good to see both of you again. It's uh, good to have football back. But, uh, boy, yesterday was a tough one for the, uh, for the Falcons. Uh 28-12. Um Turnovers kind of doomed this team from the get-go. Uh, just against it from, you know, that that opening series. Uh, let's just let's just dive right into, you know, what uh, what transpired up in Minneapolis. Arch Turn the ball over. Like Dan Quinn says, it gets longer and longer. The the odds are longer and longer to to, to regroup. You just can't hand the, the other team. the the possession and give them a short field like that, and they just never really quite recovered. They shored things up in the second half, but tough, tough way to start.
1: Yeah, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, Glad to be back in front of the Falcon fans. I know there's a lot of thirsty Falcon fans that are interested in – and kind of getting different takes on what what's happened during the season, preseason, and as we get into the regular season. So good to be back with all of you uh, here with Matt and with Shock. Um, yeah, it was a tough start, no question about it. Started around the opening gun where you blow an assignment up front in protection. You get Ryan sacked on the first play. You get a punt blocked, and the next time you get the football, you throw a pick and two short field opportunities, Shock. I thought with all that happening – Atlanta did a pretty good job of steadying the ship mm-hmm. because in the second half you got that nice drive going, and you're down 14 nothing, and you've got you got a run game that's starting to develop a little bit, and all of a sudden, out of the gate comes uh, a fumble. You get a fumble on that drive down close, and so what was going to be potentially 14-3, 14-7 all of a sudden goes the other direction. I thought that was the big deflating play. You are gonna, you know they're going to make some plays, guys. Right. And they made some plays. This was the number four defense in the league a year ago. They were number three in the red zone. They were number one in the league on third down a year ago. That same defense is together. They got two fire breathers off the edge. They're good at all three levels. You knew it was going to be a tough task. You couldn't dig yourself a hole, and that's exactly what you did. I think you bring up a bunch of great points, which is – from the perspective that
2: I'm watching it from, I'm at home and watching the game on TV, and you can, you know, you, you can see kind of the the different replays that they show of different things happening in the ball game, and all the usual suspects of turning the ball over, hurt you on the road, uh, you allow the crowd to get into it, you get the block pun, I mean, just things that take you out of what you want to do. And I think the fumble is a a big part of uh, gaining that momentum and rhythm because you go down, you score some points, you just want something good to happen for you there. And when things continually go against you, you start to kind of second guess you, guess yourself. And as a as a former player, you think about those situations. And and I'm watching a game, and I wonder how are these guys going to respond. And you get all the you know the people saying, "Hey, preseason stuff matters. You need to play more here, there." And you got a bunch of guys who you know weren't involved in that. But I think Archie bring up the point of. You still feel like they're in the ball game. I mean, even being down fourteen 9 things aren't going your way. Having turnovers, having penalties, and I think a lot of the times you were headed towards being in good position where you were converting first downs, and you may get a holding call, or you're about to get off the field, and you get a pi, or you get a uh, something happening on the defense. It was a it was struggle. It was a struggle to watch at times because you wanted things to happen good for them, and you feel like you were just right there and just couldn't finish a couple drives or series on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, I don't think any team y- – y- you talk about really good teams. You talk about teams that, you know, I don't care if you're 8-0. If you turn the ball over like that, if you shoot yourself in the foot like that, it's tough for any team to, to get over that. And, in, in the, you know, we were sitting here back at Flowery Branch watching the game too, and you got the sense that even though things were going as bad as they – they were for the Falcons. They were still in it. They were still a score away, a two scores away. And you know, you thought, you know what? Hey, they're gonna weather this storm, like you said. And it's got, actually, they're, it's gonna be like a shot in the arm. It's like you're, they're gonna look up the score. They're gonna get. They're gonna punch it in here, and they're gonna say, okay, you know what? We got punched, but we are right. We are a couple plays away from taking control of this game. It just never materialized. And then there was just. And then you go back to one of Matt's interceptions, Dave. They they drive down, they get in. It's first and goal, second and goal, and that was kind of a backbreaker because Matt goes to throw the ball away um, and just didn't get enough on it. And it's you know, and get credit the the DB. You know, it, who was it, Harris? Harris. He, he went up. You know, he could have just let that sail over his head. He goes up for it, climbs the ladder, pulls it in, stays in bounds. Six plays later. They they score another touchdown. Um,
1: well, deflating. It's, that, a deflating, deflating yes. it's a deflating moment. It's a deflating moment because what happened? You're down. You're down twenty-one to nothing or whatever it was. It's points you and, just give and, up. And the your defense tightens the belt because the defense got pushed around on the perimeter in the run game in the first half. So you tighten the belt. You make some adjustments. Coach Quinn makes adjustments, and it pays dividends right away. You get two tackles for loss. The, if you force them to a three and out, they punt the football, and here you go. You're driving down the field with the ball. So now you're going to put one on the board. you first and goal from the two-yard line. You're going to put one on the board and make it 21-7. And all of a sudden, you look at this offense, and you say, hey, there's a bunch of weapons on this Falcon offense. 21-7 yeah. is not a hole you can't dig yourself out of. No way. Matt makes a poor throw. Now, whether he's trying to throw the ball, then that's what he said. He's trying to throw the ball away, and I trust that's what he was trying to do. Poor, poor throw. The whole thing. He'd be the first guy to tell you, anything I think he did in the postseason comments, I can't make that play. And so uh, not only does that hurt the offense, you don't put points on the board, but I thought it was a real punch in the gut to the defense because the defense had come out and set the tone in the second half with an outstanding series Yeah, second half. and got the ball better. off the field and got him off the field, and then you give the ball away and they go right down and score a touchdown. I thought that was a – that was a moment. There were a couple of moments. It was the Devontae Freeman fumble to me yeah, yeah. was a deflator because you're looking to you're going to score points. And then the Ryan interception, again, you're going to score. And both of those were, were punch, punches in the guts to me. And going back and uh, thinking about the ball
2: game, uh, obviously there were times in the game where, I mean, we got to be frank about it. Uh, there were situations where guys or schemes or just entire series, the Falcons didn't play well. And defensively, when I'm watching Minnesota continually run tall sweep, uh, run, you know, power come downhill at you and create lanes and you see Dalvin Cook picking up eight, nine yards a pop or you're running the tall sweep and guys are losing leverage on the outside. <clears throat> those are those are plays you go back and you, you kind of can't get back because they're chunk yardage plays and they're in the run game. And in the run game, that kind of hurts you even more than if they hit a big pass on you. Um Coming into this ball game, you thought the depth you have in that front seven, having all your guys back would definitely bode well for you. And I thought at the line of scrimmage on a few series, the Falcons were dominated up front. And with the lever- losing leverage or guys jumping out of the gap, or well, maybe it's guy's just trying to do too much because you're down 14 nothing and you're trying to make a play for your team, and that happens too.
0: Dave said, you know what? those two those turnovers were deflating punches in the gut for sure. That if there was one thing though that really surprised me, is that first half, that that run defense in the first half. That's what really surprised me, I guess, of of anything coming into this game, I thought, you know, with Tyler Davison, with and Bailey, with the changes that, you know, Coach Quinn has made with this defense, um, they were getting pinched inside, like you yeah. we were talking about earlier, and they were They were hitting the edge. They were getting the edge, and and let's you know what? Let's let's give credit where credit's due here. Uh, The Vikings are a very good team. Dalvin Cook is a very good running back. He is back. He looks very healthy. Uh, Twenty-one carries, one hundred eleven yards. Twenty-two long uh, was his longest run. He had two touchdowns. And that backup, Alexander Madison, he's pretty good too. He 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 almost looks like him. But that was the surprising thing to me, DJ and Dave. Um, outside of, you know, just the, the gut punches, the turnovers, that run defense. Now, they did shore things up in the second half for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what was really kind of surprised me early on, Dave. Well,
1: let's, let's be specific about the run game now because they did not gash you everywhere in run defense. Tyler Davidson, Jack Crawford, and Grady Jarrett played extremely well in the interior of the defense. You were being ripped apart on the perimeter. You talked about toss sweep, stretch. Mm-hmm. So your inability to set a hard edge in the run game mm-hmm. uh, allowed Cook to get to the perimeter. There was no run edge early. The Dalvin Cook touchdown run on their second series, I mean, it was like Charmin. You just ran yeah. through nothing out there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you tried to set an edge. So now, now you get guys to play the perimeter. It was too soft an edge. There were a couple of times when Vic was, was roller skated out of the way and they ran inside the edge defender. So setting an edge means you set a hard edge. You keep the and, – and to define that for the fan, you hear that all the time in football jargon. Setting an edge means you keep outside shoulder free, yep. but I've got to set an edge where it's a firm edge. It's not I'm on roller skates because all I'm doing is creating a gash in the defense because, remember, Shaq, and – you're, 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 you're gap responsible, so there is a gap to the outside. I've got to keep my shoulder clean, but I can't allow there to be a gap that's three, three guys wide inside of me. That, to me, was the key to the whole deal. It was not the run defense in, in general. It was the run defense on the perimeter. That got gashed yeah, to the a two point. To a, to a point, number. Yeah, to and a number. And they only they only it had the 45 edge. yards rushing in the second half. I think or 47 yards yeah. rushing in the second half. They had 125 yards rushing at halftime. Yeah, so you got it job. fixed in the yeah. second half. But by then they had yeah. they had made some hay because they'd gotten a turnover.
2: And to give people an example, I don't know if people can remember, but there was a play in the second half where Tack holds the edge and you can see him firmly stick that right foot in the ground and he's got his left shoulder into the, the tackle and he kind of literally just – he forces this guy to just stalemate there and he gets yeah. a tackle for loss there. That's the kind of hard edge that I think that just talking about that we didn't have a lot of. Right. And I think at that moment late in the ball game – they were, they were kind of forced to. Hey, you're gonna make a play or you're not. And I think Tack did a good job there of showing that he can do it, and this is a unit that
1: is taught to do
2: it. And just at times, you weren't doing
1: it. Well, unfortunately, in the second half, what you, what we had to do, Shock and Matt was is. Is now you got to throw caution to the wind a little bit and play action because now you got to commit resources to stop the run. They've yep. gashed in the run game, namely on the perimeter, if we discussed. So now I've got to get Keanu Neal, I've got to get Devondre Campbell to not be so quick to get out in play action. I've got to come up and stop the run. It paid dividends, but when you give up 269 yards of offense, yeah. you're supposed to win the game. Yeah. I mean, that's a win. You give up less than 300 yards of offense, I would say seven out of ten times you win the football their game. Co- their, their, their quarterback
2: has ten attempts.
1: Yeah, but you go back to what Matt talked that's, about yeah. at the top was <laughs> short field opportunities and turnovers that gas you or punch you in the gut yeah. that are hard to overcome.
0: You know, and just to reiterate one more time just how big those turn- turnovers are, and just what a neutralizer they are or how they turn the tides. You look at just, you, you pointed out the total yards. You, you you look at that and say, hey, they win that game. But the Falcons outgained them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know at the, at the end they were throwing more, but 345 to 269. Had more first downs, 27 to 18. Had total drives, both teams had 10 drives each. But the Vikings had, like you said, Dave, much shorter field. And the turnovers... Again, three zip. And how many times did Kirk Cousins put the ball on the ground? At least three times, and they recovered them all. I mean, that's just. Well, again. you were.
1: I thought you were just a step late. On I think there's some really cool schemes. Keanu Neal coming through the gap when he saw his guy block, he blitzed right away. Well, with almost a 46 defense yeah. look. You know where he came through, blew him up in the back. His arm was going forward. Grady Jarrett got there right at the end, just as the ball was coming out. Um, so. Those are signs I think you hang your hat on. You say, wow, you're this close to getting the ball out. And that's what Dan talked about after the game. He hates turning the football over, as any coach would, but he probably hates as much. You can't get any turnovers. Yeah, you got it, and that's something that's plagued Atlanta the couple of, last couple of years. And you thought that maybe you had it remedied in the preseason. Got a lot of takeaways in the preseason, mm-hmm. uh, in key moments, but you just it just didn't happen in this game. I do think they're very close on a couple of the defensive schemes. Now you got to fix the edge run because you can bet the Eagles are going to test you this weekend. That's a perfect segue.
0: Uh, let's talk about some of the positives we saw from this game. Um, I'll just toss it up to either one of you. One thing that stands out to me, I thought, you know what? As as much as they, I don't want to use the word struggled, but they just couldn't get the run game going. I'm talking about the Falcons. I thought Ito Smith, when he did touch the ball, he made some things happen. You know, he he only had six touches, but he had 31 yards. He had a 16-yard run. I thought that was a positive. Um, Austin Hooper, he was targeted nine times, nine catches, and uh, 77 yards, and I saw. I thought some of those crossing patterns, you know, with Sanu and in and, and Ridley. I thought there were some positives, but obviously, I thought Jarrett played really well. Tyler Davison led the team in tackles. Interior interior defense, like you were talking about, especially second half, looked pretty stout. But what do, what do you guys think? What what were some of the positives you guys saw?
2: I think you talk about some of the ones that kind of stuck out to me on offense. Uh, obviously, Hooper is a guy who, with all the guys on the outside that obviously are playmakers for you, he has to win those one-on-one situations when he has those opportunities. And obviously the nine catches are big. Uh, you expect him to do that. He's a guy who's gained more confidence as he's gotten older and played in this system. Um, Ito came in, I thought, was it right before the half? He, he came in and, and really shook it up with – he's just a good guy in space. Um they gave him the football, uh, run the football down here a little bit. He made some cutback runs. He, they threw it to him in space. I made a couple guys miss. The extra effort players or what you like. Um, and those are plays, those are guys that, that you are going to have to lean on because teams are going to come in knowing Devontae Freeman is a guy who's going to be down here He's going to try to make guys miss. I thought Devontae, even, I thought he ran hard. It just wasn't a lot of space for him to get loose. But he looked good coming back. I know he had the fumble, but that's Devontae. He's going to be fighting for extra hard yards, and that's what he's about. Uh, Arch, you mentioned some of the guys on the defensive side. And there were times where you watch Grady Jarrett and he literally puts the center on skates two, three, four times in the ball game. And if it wasn't for certain things happening, he's right there to get a sack. He's right there to get a, a tackle for loss or whatever it is. I think there are a lot of positives for this team. Even looking back to offensively where you struggled at times, you still have the ability and you show the ability to move the football when you needed to. And I thought there were times when they went to the up-tempo stuff and they started throwing the football around, getting the ball a lot quicker. We talk about throwing on first downs, a a big thing. And the success you have early in down situations only lead to uh, those drives getting better.
1: Well, some things happen in adverse situations. And I think from a growth standpoint as a coaching staff, this will be a a good game. And by that I mean – There was obvious success available there in the up-tempo, but because of the crowd noise and because how difficult it is to play on the road, especially in a place like that when you get the crowd in, as Shock talked about, now communication becomes very, very difficult. Uh, So when I mean grow as a staff, how can we put together for a road scenario where we can get to our tempo game where maybe it's more hand signal, maybe there's less verbiage, we lock into a protection and we throw hot off things, whatever it may be where you can eliminate some of the conversation that has to happen in the line of scrimmage. There are always going to be hand signals and things, and maybe right here close I've got to say something to the O-line. But get yourself, give yourself an ability to get to that, even if it is on the road. And they prepared for it. We saw it in practice. They spent a ton of time doing silent count, And and so they were they were prepared to play in this surrounding. But how well can you prepare for that crowd and that noise? Um, So I I would think when you start looking as a growth as a team, players have to play better. Um, The edge defenders, not good enough. Quarterback can't throw the ball to the other team. Uh, You got to hold on to the football when you're running it. Those things have to be fixed. You got to protect the punter. Okay, we can't we can't and if I'm the personal protector of the punter and I see a look that I don't like, I gotta burn a timeout. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that was a look and remember, you got a new personal protector for the punter. Sherrod Niesman's the new personal protector for the punter. Okay. So was that a moment where he had never seen that look before and he thought that he had it called right? And maybe if it was something you don't recognize, he's got to have the freedom to burn a TO, even though it was that early in the game. So these are growth things that have to happen, and they have to happen right away now because, you know, you can't give these games away. But I, I think there's a lot of growth both the staff and the players can get from a, from a let's face it, a crappy game. It was a bad game a kind of pretty much all the way around.
2: A lot of things that I, I, I saw was technique things, and they are small, nuances things that you can go back on the film and watch. I'm going to give an example here. Uh, there's a the two-minute mark in, in the second quarter. It's third and five. It hits to new on a little – a little option route going across. You get the holding call by Carpenter. Next time you come back, the next exact play you come back, you get the sack on third and 16. But the issue is you got Hooper on the edge right here. He should be chipping Hunter coming off the edge. He doesn't chip him good enough. He just gets a, a little chicken wing on him, but and he doesn't stay there inside, long And actually inside, right? He right. actually knocks yeah. McGarry off. And those are the little things you go back and look at and say, okay, if you can secure this, you got an opportunity to throw the football down the field. Those are the small things technique-wise that you look at it like, okay, they just didn't just beat our guy. We did something to ourselves. These are self-inflicted things that hurt ourselves to, to, to hurt us going forward. So uh, I think the technique-wise are things that you can – Look at a tape, you can sure it up, you can go out and practice field and those are things that you can build on and for fans to say, okay, it wasn't something that just we just got outmanned, and it's something you can work on.
0: Quality team, tough venue they, mm-hmm. they're four and0 and they're they' are four season openers in that place uh the Vikings um, i I'm gonna venture and guess to say that the Vikings as the season goes on, we're gonna look back at this and say, yeah, they were a really good team. I think they're probably a playoff team based on, you know, you look at the final season rankings you pointed out a minute ago. Uh, they're talented, really talented on both sides of the ball with you know, up front and their skill guys. Um, good team. One thing I want to ask you guys about though, the biggest off-season story was the offensive line. Um, they invested heavily in it. First day at free agency, they signed Carpenter and Jermaine Brown, James Carpenter. They drafted, you know, two first-round picks, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. They also signed, you know, John Wetzel. They got us. Point is, they they invested heavily. Thomas Dimitrov said, "Look, at I had to improve the depth, and we just had to get bigger and better." Um, how do you think, just based on what you saw against a very quality front? How do you think that that unit did? Uh, Dave, I'll toss it to you. I thought
1: it was a C-minus effort, maybe. Uh, I thought that there was leakage. Uh, And one thing we got to remember is this group didn't play together in the the preseason. So as much as you're talking about different guys playing, Devontae Freeman, Deion Jones, Julio Jones – when you get a group that's supposed to be the most cohesive unit on your team and they don't play together, you're going to see some leakage. Carpenter was hurt a good but a good of the preseason, did not play. Jamon Brown played there a ton. Uh, we lose Lindstrom in the game at some point. Caleb McGarry played one half of a game in the mm-hmm. preseason. Uh, and, and Sombrello, similar. Remember, he was hurt the last couple games of the, uh, the preseason as well. So – I think that that group will grow exponentially the next week. Now, we'll have to find out about Lindstrom at this time it's of our yeah. podcast where we don't know what's going on with Lindstrom, but the word is not good. So yeah. what do you do there? I think that's Jamon Brown slides into that right guard spot, and so your two veteran free agents are going to play the two guard spots. Yep. And I think Caleb McGarry ramps it up a little bit further and, and begins to play a little bit more at your right tackle position. But – uh so, I, I would say it was a C-minus effort. I thought That's there fair. was leakage in the run game and the pass game, but I think the ability to grow for that group the next week ramps up significantly because they just hadn't played very much together.
2: I think the biggest part is it takes time. And it's as tough as a Falcon fan will want to not want to hear that, it takes time for the communication part up front. Let's go back to that third preseason game versus the Jets. And it was really the first time. That five had played together with Sunbrello on the outside, and you had that complete five in there, and the offensive line struggled. It was the first time they got in live action, and we know what happened. A lot of pressure on Matt, not much in the run game. Greg Williams. It's just, you know, Greg Williams throwing a lot. I mean, it was the same thing with with this defense. I mean, we've known for years that Zimmer's a guy that has exotic looks on defense. They have guys coming from everywhere, and like Archie coming off the top of it, (laughs) <laughs> they got some pretty darn good pass rushers, yes, and they, they got do. big, long physical corners on the outside so they can play that, that edge, get a feel aggressive style of defense. Offensively for this offensive line, it's just going to take time for those guys to gel and be able to communicate and see those looks. You can do it as much as you want in practice. You can rep it. You can watch film on it. There's nothing like getting in a ball game and seeing it live and in person so then you can come off and say, okay, this is what I saw here's what I was thinking, and that communication only can happen in a ball game when you get those looks. And it's going to take time, but we're hoping it jails it, it a little bit sooner than later with this group. And like you said, we don't know what's going to happen with Lindstrom, so that's going to add another piece to that, to that puzzle, and we'll see if those guys can get going. But this is why you went out and, like you mentioned, with Dimitrov and, and DQ, you go get the dip because you never know what's going to happen up front, and now we're already in that situation going into week two one of those depth guys, but that's why you brought him in because you expected these guys to be able to probably start for somebody else, but now they can roll into that starting five and, and play some good ball for you hopefully coming up.
0: Yeah, Matt Ryan was sacked 42 times last year, four times yesterday. That's just that's just uh, something that has to be shored up for sure.
2: This is Falcons Audible, presented by at and
0: All right, let's pivot and just talk about where this team is right now. Obviously, we await news on Chris Lindstrom, and we uh, can only speculate what they'll do there, probably Jermon Brown. Uh, but they've got Philadelphia at home Sunday night. Um, Philadelphia won yesterday, and uh, they beat the, beat, the, beat the Redskins. And so the last three times this team has faced Philly it has been up in Philadelphia. They've had their number. The last two games have been heartbreakers. Uh, went down to the final series uh the one was the divisional playoff game and then last year's season opening game uh on uh, the night the uh the Eagles got their their banner and their rings and everything else and so uh now they have them home uh, can exercise some demons maybe hopefully uh what are your thoughts now because uh, i I think regardless of what happens in the first half of the season Dave dj. Everything sets up for you in the second half with all your division games, those final eight games. Um, But two quality opponents right off the bat, two potentially playoff contenders too.
1: Well, it's two teams that have had your number. Yeah. Atlanta has not been able to beat Minnesota. That's four straight against Minnesota. Phillies won three straight over the Falcons. Got to go, what, all the way back to 15, I think, when you got it got them Philly here that you beat them. So three straight times, three consecutive years uh, that Phillies had your number. And why is because of their defensive front. Fletcher Cox was a monster mm-hmm. a year ago. He had a sack and a half in that game uh, in that opening day game that started the season a year ago. They've limited Atlanta to 12, 10, and 15 points in their last three games. Atlanta's averaging 12 points a game in their last three games against Philly's defense, and it's no rest for the weary now. This is a Philly defense last year that was sixth in the lead on third down. They were number one in the league in red zone defense last year. So just when you think you're stepping out of that you're going to step into another opportunity, now all of a sudden you've got a rough-and-tumble defensive front Now, they gave up 27 points yesterday to the Washington Redskins, and Case Keenum threw for 370 on them. So the one thing I will say is what's different different about this team as opposed to the Vikings is the Vikings have kind of had a way with defending Julio. Yeah. Philly has had no clue to defend (laughs) Philly. He's got five consecutive 100-yard games. In fact, his last three games, he's got over 400 yards receiving and 30 receptions. Now, he hadn't gotten in the end zone, and that needs to change. But he has owned Philly in six career games, If you want to throw out the rookie game where he caught two passes for 22 yards, five consecutive 100-yard games against the Eagles. This is a team he loves to play against, and boy, do we need him more than ever to have Philly step up.
0: I totally forgot to mention the the job Xavier Rhodes did uh, on on Julio yesterday. Julio limited to six catches for 31 yards. His longest was a 10-yard reception, but great point. Thoughts on Philly? DJ?
2: I think first off, The fact you're playing on Sunday night, you get to play in your building, it will be electric in there. Uh, Having your crowds, having your fans around you will give you a new energy. We all know DQ really well. We know after a game like this, Mm. this team will come ready and prepared to play. And I know after that ball game yesterday, Arch, I heard you talking to all the guys. You could hear it in their voice. They wish they can go out and play tomorrow. And I think that's going to have a heightened focus on this, this, this ball club going into Philadelphia game. Uh, but, but obviously some of the things that happen in this ball game, you have to sure up. Some of the, the foolish penalties, some of the uh, things that, uh, that you allowed to happen versus Minnesota cannot happen. Um, I think on the back end, you've always done a good job of not allowing guys to get over your head. We know a guy who they have in Deshaun Jackson who once or twice a game they're going to let it fly and see what he can be about and go get a football. Obviously, they got a good tight end. Uh, you did a good job this past weekend versus their tight end, Kyle Rudolph. I think he had one or two catches in the ball game. So that's another uh, player for emphasis. You got to, you know, really worry about in this ballgame. But I think you did a good job of, of knowing that. And then you got to get after Carson Wentz. He's a guy who we've seen once he gets confidence – he gets slingered with the best of them. And I think that's what happened in their last game was Washington. He started to throw the football around a little bit more, and they started to gain that confidence offensively. This is going to be a – I think it's going to be another game that comes down to the wire again. I mean, these are two good quality football teams. The Falcons at home will not allow the same performance that they just had in Minnesota. Uh, Philly's going to come in here thinking, hey, we're the big brother. Like you mentioned, our sh- beat them last three times. Why should they come in here feeling any different about playing this Falcons team? And then they're going to turn on the film as well and see what happened. They're going to look at some of the, the players and say, this guy can be extorted a little bit. So this is a ball game. But I expect this Falcons team to show up, and I expect to have a new frown energy coming in.
1: Interestingly enough, we've never seen Carson Wentz. That's right. The Falcons have never played against Carson Wentz. Last it's been two. Nick Foles. Last uh two. was in the playoff game yep. uh, up there in 17. And then, of course, started the season, Wentz was not back from his injury, so the opening day starter was Foles. And they limited Foles. Foles threw for about 150 yards and an interception in the game, but uh, they ended up uh, finding a way to win the football game.
0: When they were up there, was it 16 and they lost? Winston playing that game? I don't think. I don't
1: think Winston played in that game. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But they. but, again, it was a low-scoring affair. I think yeah. Atlanta scored 15 points. It was a 24-15 final, they I ran believe. ran the ball well. That, uh, yeah, and this is a team that's that's retooled uh, at their running back position. We're used to, to seeing some different guys, but Sproles, a normal character at running back. You're going to see uh, a kid they drafted in Sanders, and then uh, – and then uh, uh, Jordan Howard comes over from Chicago. He was pretty he's pretty good back, he was pretty good back as well. Yeah. They ran to the tune. What they have uh, rushing at 123 yards rushing last yesterday, and it was kind of sprinkled between about four backs. So they can run it. They're going to try to run
0: it. And their run defense is pretty good. Yeah, Darius Geis I think was limited to single digits yesterday. So hmm. he's a pretty good back. Um, one question I get, I, I want to ask both of you guys this. One question I get a lot from readers is the anticipation heading into the season was, hey, how is Dirk Cutter's offense going to look? We haven't seen a lot. Any wrinkles? Any clues? Same with DQ's defense. Based on... Now, it's hard yesterday because you get behind, things kind of snowball. Your game plan changes a little bit, right? Changes a lot. Um, Did you guys, either of you, either one of you can take this one, but did you see enough where you said... Oh, that's different, or that's interesting, or that was an interesting play call that just made you say, "Aha! I, I see," you know, his influence already. Did anything kind of stand out to either of you?
1: I think because we've seen the offense before and yeah. the defense before, it you know to see a nuance that looks a little different. I think the only thing that I saw that was a little bit different for Q is he's willing to bring more pressure. Yeah, he's willing to dial up. Uh, and come after you and play man coverage in the back end. Now, they got beat a couple times in man coverage. Isaiah Oliver gets beat on the over route by uh, Thielen for the touchdown. But he's a little bit more willing to gamble and come after you. We saw Keanu Neal get home. Mm -hmm. I think that will begin to blossom even more with some more pressure. Offensively, to me, what Dirk has always brought is you—you'd like to think that the run game has have a little more more prowess. You didn't see that this weekend. I did see some reflection in the second half of what we can get in play action. He's got a very solid, usually solid protection and some nice route complexes in play action that you can get after people. And
2: one that comes to mind ideally is the the big throw to Ridley. He runs over out. Julio runs the deep post. You get the play action and you, you're able to hit him deep over the middle. Um, Defensively, and I think we saw some of this in the preseason, was the in-your-face mentality for your corners. Get up, press man coverage, and say, hey, if you're on the island, you got to go win. And I think that's why he wanted these big, long corners to be able to play that kind of man coverage, but then also not have to always bring five or six guys. That's why you want some guys on the edge where you can rush the passer with four and play good coverage, whether it's you know, whole one-man coverage where you got a guy still sitting in the middle of the field and you got a whole player and you got your guys playing some kind of leverage on the outside. That's the kind of aggressive nature I think Q wants now. We're not going to sit back and allow you just to pick us apart and we play our zone coverage style. There's more aggressive style of Q. Um, I think we saw it a lot in the preseason. And I think it's going to, like I said, it's going to ramp up a little bit more here as the the season goes on. But uh, expect to see more from both sides of the ball, I believe, in this next ball game, given the situation, what happened last week in Minnesota. Let
1: me ask you a question, Matt. You you have a column, and it's called Straight from the Beak, that uh, it's a great venue for the fans to come in, communicate with you, get some inside information about the the team and what's going on. And you got a great following, and I encourage anybody to follow uh, from the beak with uh, Matt Tabeek uh, kind of breaking some things down. Um, what is the biggest question you're getting, or what are the biggest concerns you're hearing from the fan out there?
0: Well, today, this morning, it was the offensive line. Uh, you know, people are concerned that, uh, like you said, it's – they didn't use the term leaky, but people see Matt Ryan sacked four times. Um and we've all we've heard all off season long is, "Hey, we're fixing this. We're fixing this team. We're fixing this off, off, offensive line," and then to have the performance you had yesterday, it was kind of a disappointing to the fans. And then, uh, y you, 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 Julio gets his new contract, and you hear constantly about, "Hey, this this offense is loaded," and you just didn't see the firepower, the fireworks yesterday. Um, so I think fans are a little frustrated over that. And, you know, I think fans tend to just have that knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, they want to, they're concerned about the running game. J- J- Devonte Freeman's fumbles was a question today. Hey, if he keeps this up, if he can't keep, keep going, if he can't protect football, are they going to make a change? Why, you know, after we heard so much about the running backs, why were two Brian Hill and Quadri Allison inactive yesterday? So, little things like that that joe fan doesn't understand Mm -hmm. um but i think all in all it's just frustration over the turnovers and the fact that we never really got to see that offense humming um and then you know you mentioned the fact dj that kirk cousins only threw the ball 10 times you never saw there were times where you saw the defense pin their ears back but they were never really in the a lot of passing situations Mm -hmm. where they could be really super aggressive and I think one of the question marks heading into the season with the fans, too, was, hey, is Isaiah Oliver going to be the guy? Can he be that number two, you know, that that, uh, Coach Quinn said in the offseason? Hey, he's our starter. Robert Alford, you know, was let go. So, you know, and then the one catch Adam Thielen had, the 23-yard touchdown, you know, that was Oliver's guy. So I think this week you you talk about some of the guys that are – the philadelphia is going to line up out there one of them who's back in town is deshaun jackson mm-hmm. who is a great deep ball guy uh had a big day yesterday too. had a great big day yesterday and nice he big is bomb yesterday didn't he he is probably one of the best receivers in the league at locating those balls in yeah. the air and adjusting on the fly i have a feeling that we're gonna you know the, the defense is gonna see a little bit more uh of carson wentz in that passing game but uh those are really the the main questions. Just, uh, the O line Freeman, um, and you know, just we just didn't see enough from the back end of the
1: defense. Yeah, but I would I would agree with a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we didn't see. Hopefully, we see some this weekend. You talked about getting better. And gelling, you know what? That has to happen right away. Yep. There's got to be a sense of urgency, guys, that this comes together. You only get 16 tries at this. You just burned one of them. So, now you have 15 shots left. And, yes, like you said, it's nice to know that you got the back half of your schedule is loaded with all your division games. But, hey, you can't get there one and seven. No. You can't be two and five when you get to the division games. you are really got an upfield battle. So, you got to take care of business here right away. And then you talk so, about
2: two NFC games, too. So Yeah, you got to get oh, – this has got to be a sense nine, of urgency.
0: Absolutely. We're going to find out a lot about this team in the first half, and uh, you know, regardless of what happens, everything is still on the table division-wise in the second half. I like the schedule. I like the fact that the the midpoint is right after that eighth game. I like the fact that the two West Coast teams, uh, the uh, the Seahawks and the Rams, are here. I think that bodes well for them heading into the bye. Um, but they've got to they've got to beat Philadelphia. That's the only thing that matters. And I think, like you said, Dave. DQ will have them ready. Um, if if they're not focused on the fact that they have lost three straight to Philly now, um, they shot themselves in the foot. And you said, DJ, they want to go back out there, yeah, uh, and and uh, make amends. So yep. shapes up for a fun environment on Sunday night here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And uh, you guys, uh, final thoughts on on Philly? Just uh, you you think uh, I'm can't ask you for a prediction, can I, since you're calling the game? (laughs) Well, no, I mean,
1: calling the game for us. Uh, I think Atlanta rebounds and is ready to roll. I think that uh, I expect, uh, and I had a number of people asking me questions on Twitter last night. And I said, hey, you get punched in the mouth, how do you respond? You find out about yourself right away. You get kicked and knocked to the deck. What do you do? You get up off the deck you cry about it? And uh, I don't think you play the blame game or cry about it. You just get up and you go after them. This is a team you should have some angst against anyway. Yeah. They knocked you out of the playoffs in 17. Uh, they they you know started your season in a bad way last year. So, hey, let's get after Philly. They're coming to your building. Let's rise up and, and, and smack them in the mouth.
2: Veteran team. A lot of guys who played a bunch of football for this organization, and I think they have a sense of pride. A lot of these guys who have played for Dan Coyne and live for this city will want to put a better product on the field. So I expect the veterans on this team to bring the young guys along who are asked to contribute to play a little bit better, and they will bring their game up next level as well. So expect a, a raucous environment and expect this team to show up and be the team that everybody expected coming into this this season, regardless of what happened in Minnesota. I think they rebound and play really well.
0: I think Philly, like you said, they, uh, they come in here very confident, like they are big brother. They've won the last three. Uh, their fan base is very vocal and <laughs> spirited and raucous. And uh, they travel well. And I think you, you'll see a lot of Philly fans come down here and uh, – and they won't disappoint us. Uh, they'll, they'll be like Philly fans like we expect them to be. Yeah, this is a team that was <laughs> um, down
1: 20-7 to yesterday. The Redskins have stormed back to win the game, yep. 32-27. So uh, they're ready to go for the season. Now Atlanta needs to check in and get ready for the 2019 season.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, guys, again, I know I said at the top, it's great seeing you both back great here. Great to be back, man. And, uh, great season, man. Let's great go. Great to be back talking about real football. Let's go get this. Uh, you are listening to Falcons All Podcast. Thanks for joining us.